0: And welcome to this very special holiday edition of the MGO Fish podcast. My name is David Arnold. I'm your host. And Garrett is actually not at the barbecue in Ann Arbor this weekend. He's actually in Chicago doing his own little vacation. Um, so we're not able to hook up today. So I thought today is going to be a pure Michigan fan experience. I'm going to talk with my dad, Paul Arnold, who actually runs his own website, greatamericanman.org, and he also has his own podcast where they talk sports uh, and everything. He's the one that taught me to love Michigan sports. So today, we're going to talk about the experience that made him a Michigan fan, what made me a Michigan fan, our favorite people, If you ever enjoy just talking Michigan sports with your family, I think you'll enjoy this podcast because that's really what it is. It's just talking about what made us true blue Michigan fans. Uh, and It's really something that's made me happy. I enjoy talking sports and I got my love for it from my dad. Uh, So I think you guys will enjoy this podcast.
1: Dad, how are you today? I'm doing awesome. The sun is shining, I went swimming, eating a lot of food. Just kick it back now in air conditioning with good Wi Fi with you. Yeah, nice. it's amazing.
0: We're in, we're in Traverse City, Michigan, the Holiday Park campground here in Traverse City, Michigan. We did not think we were going to get good internet. Yeah. Our, our trailer that we stay at gets like two, three megabytes per second. Airstream yeah. trailer. Airstream it's not tra- a mobile home. Park. It's not a mobile home. Airstream <laughs> trailer. And then we come into to the little room that's here at, at the office, clubhouse. the clubhouse, and we get 125 megabits per second. I never thought I'd ever see internet this fast in the middle of nowhere Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, so, so we're going to enjoy this and take advantage of it while we record. Alright, Dad, what was your first memory of Michigan football when we moved to Ann Arbor in 2002? In
1: 2002, we moved back after being exiled in the South, and SEC country, and I'm so glad to get back to Michigan. And 2002, I was so busy at work, but it reminded me about when I was a kid. My dad would drive by Michigan Stadium. It would be unlocked. I know it's hard to believe now. It was unlocked. We would go in and throw the football around.
0: Even in 2002, it was unlocked.
1: Even in 2002, when you were a little kid. So we went down there and threw it around. I remember getting back to our our house and my dad taking off his shoes and shaking out the little rubber from the, you know, they freeze out the rubber and get it out there. But my passion for Michigan football started back about 1973. Now here's a crazy thing, right? Bo Schembechler, everybody thinks about him. And I was such a huge fan. I had this one yellow shirt that's just straight Michigan across it. No design, just said Michigan.
0: 1973. So they've had, they've had trouble matching the yellows. Oh, I know. As of the 90s and 2000s, how, how bad, were, were there a bunch of different yellows back in the 70s? You know, back the, when it was black and white? As a kid,
1: all I knew was we just had a regular yellow. I oh. mean, it, was, it wasn't even thought of. I mean, it wasn't the Adidas neon crap that they put out. <laughs> it was just your standard, maybe a little mustardy looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just so cool. And I would, my brothers and sisters, they were a little bit into but I was way into it. So I'd sit in front of the TV, really get close. And we'd watch it. 1973 is when I just became a huge fan. Bo was in his fifth season. Think about that. What yeah. season is Jim Harbaugh in now?
0: Well, he's 0-4 against Ohio State. No, so. no, no. He's in his fifth season. Yeah, I yeah, no, he's in his fifth. He's going to his fifth season. Yeah, yeah. In Bo's
1: fifth season, they went 10-0 and against Ohio State. Oh, no, excuse me. Regular season. And then they faced Ohio State. And do you know this? This is the famous game. they tied that doggone game oh and And then Ohio
0: State went to the Rose Bowl right it was 10-10
1: and the rest of the Big Ten voted to send Ohio State over Michigan Mm. but still it was a great season there was a quarterback named Dennis Franklin that just was amazing I used to watch him and then not too long after that Ricky Leach was the awesome quarterback oh
0: Jim Harbaugh's favorite quarterback
1: yes Jim Harbaugh loved Ricky Leach and then uh Harbaugh came along when I was already in college and moving on with different things. But it was nice to come back to Ann Arbor. I never thought I'd have a job in Ann Arbor. I always mm-hmm. thought it was like the Wizard of Oz when I saw the big I house. And I'm like, oh, that's so well, awesome. Like, you know, I, to I, get there.
0: I remember I was 11 when we moved. And I really wasn't even that big of a Michigan fan before 2002. But I do remember in 97, you and Grandpa talking about Charles Woodson and Desmond Howard even, because he was a few years before. And and to me, it was just like, oh, that's cool. But it was just never my team. And I remember the game that I realized that that really indoctrinated me is so silly looking back now. But uh, 2002, University of Washington, was it Phil Brabs? Yeah. When he missed, 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 made the game-winning field goal. Yes. And I remember, we, do you remember where we were that we day? We were driving
1: down to Toledo for some reason. We were going to the zoo in Toledo. We weren't even <laughs>
0: watching the game, but we were listening on the radio. Yeah,
1: of course. Yeah. So I grew up listening to Bob Ufer and you always listen. In fact, you'd turn off the TV sound and turn up the radio just to listen to Bob Youford because he'd go crazy, mm-hmm. he'd, and it'd be funny too at the same time, but we were listening, and Phil Brabs is from my home city of Midland, Michigan, and that's the other reason we were listening, because I was rooting, he's a great guy, he's in business now, as a consultant, he's had some health problems, but that was like his one shining moment, if I borrow from basketball. After that, he didn't do so well.
0: Well, yeah, a legend forever for that game. And that- I remember being so emotional about it, even though I wasn't even a huge Michigan fan up until that point, but I think because you were a Michigan fan, and I was so hyped up about moving to Ann Arbor, I was so excited to move, you know, it was just, it was like, oh, this is going to be my team, my city, Uh, and they had national championship expectations.
1: Plus, you started going to the same middle school where the Harbaugh brothers went to. Yeah,
0: yeah, my gym teacher, Tappan Middle School, uh, if anyone's from Ann Arbor, Tappan Middle School, my gym teacher, Mr. Lilly had a big poster in his office, in the gym office, of Jim Harbaugh in an Indiana, or Indianapolis Colts
1: uh-huh. uniform. Because
0: yeah. he coached Jim Harbaugh when he was a freshman in high school at Pioneer. Um, and then just always a massive Jim Harbaugh fan. And this is so far before Harbaugh was even ever on the radar it, to be Michigan coach. When
1: Tapa Middle School is like two miles away from the big house. Yes. And when Bo Schoenbergler died, I pulled you out of school so we could go to that funeral. And that was crazy, going to that funeral inside the big house. And when we're walking out, because we didn't stay for all of it, we come walking out and Frank Beckman, who was the voice of the Wolverines, almost ran us over, and then we (laughs) came on a corner, and then um, uh, the basketball coach that went to Harvard, uh, Tommy Amaker Amaker Amaker, was there. But what I was really surprised about that was all the Ohio State people were there for that funeral. Um, Mr. Sweater Vest was there and nobody yeah, gave him too yeah. hard a time. And after that, we went for burritos. I do, yeah. Do you remember the burritos more than the funeral?
0: <laughs> no, I, I remember the funeral. I remember, you know, it's so hard not to be indoctrinated into like the Michigan fan experience if you grow up in Ann Arbor, uh, you know, and I guess it, it felt very pure to me being a Michigan football fan as compared to like. Either professional sports or just even any other team, just because we were in the city. You know, it wasn't even like a, a college exp- Like We could hear
1: the band from the first apartment we rented when we got to Ann Arbor, and then we moved a little further out. And Michigan.
0: And maybe sometimes there's a bit of a, a divide <clears throat> between the people that go to University of Michigan and the fans who are from the state of Michigan. There are big Michigan fans where it's like, it, it almost felt like a pilgrimage, I think, to not attend the University of Michigan, but to go, you know, to, to move to Ann Arbor, and we're like, we're in Ann Arbor, we're going to these U of M games, this is so cool, like, this is like, this is yeah. what you watch for so long, On this TV. is what, what you're, yeah you
1: see for so many years. And then you get there. And then, and then you go to all the tailgates. Like I know you bummed off of so many tailgates getting free food oh yeah. over the years.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, for, for me it's, you know, you go to the tailgates, especially early on in the season, and I'm sure people do this who are listening right now. You go tailgate, you have a good time. And then what I like to do, because I'm still poor and in law school, but when I was poor and in college and whatnot, go to the front of the stadium, Five ten minutes for kickoff and just get like a really cheap ticket somewhere. <laughs> Me and my buddy, my freshman year of college, we did not go to U of M. Definitely not smart enough. Delaware State was playing as Rich Rods like first or second
1: second. And they have the same helmets as Michigan. No, that's, that's, that's Delaware, Delaware. But okay.
0: Delaware State was in town. Who has no business ever playing Michigan under any circumstances. Pe-
1: cash and a check.
0: Yeah, they were. I mean, but we got we got five dollar tickets, and. Rich Rod's probably best game ever.
1: Coach. <laughs> it should be by then. It should be. It should but be. when you were younger, we moved in Ann Arbor 2002. What was the first player that captured your imagination?
0: Oh, Braylon Edwards.
1: Braylon Edwards, really? Oh, well, okay.
0: That's okay. I well, mean, he got okay. number one. That Let me say good this deal. in my heart, John Navarre has grown more <laughs> legendary. John Navarre. John Navarre has grown more legendary by the, by the day, by the year. Uh, you know, the famous 2003 comeback against Minnesota, mm-hmm. where Minnesota in the Metrodome had that 34 to three lead and Michigan comes back. And one of the play calls was a halfback toss where John Navarre goes and circles around and they throw it back to John Navarre to run. Yeah. So he catches the ball and he's running and like that play will forever. It was in slow motion
1: when he's running.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it'll forever like stand the test of time in my brain probably cause it's still happening and he's still running uh, cause his 40 was so slow. Um, And then, of course, I would play like NFL 2K5, ESPN NFL 2K5. um, And John Navarro was a backup on the Arizona Cardinals. It was like a 62 overall, like never, ever going to (laughs) play. But I remember editing him in and like making him good just for fun. So John Navarro in my heart, but Braylon Edwards was definitely the first guy where it was like, this guy is Superman. He wants to be Superman. He's such a
1: beast. And against Michigan
0: State. He looks time. like Superman. Oh, my God! And, and I was in middle school for that game. The triple I used to
1: drive game. a Bentley around the campus after uh, he I went like pro? That. I've okay. never seen him a couple times with a Bentley.
0: Braylon's got a sordid history with, with Michigan.
1: Now, my, right. The first player that caught my imagination, even though I talked about Rob Lytle. See, Anthony Carter. Uh, no, it's actually Rob Lytle. I, I talked about... Um, uh, Oh, the quarterback before Ricky Leach. But Rob Lytle was this running back that was the same age as I was. Um, so when I was in first year of college, he was first year of college, and he was just, it looked like an ordinary white dude. And he was playing halfbackslash fullback, and he was fast, and yet he was still strong. You take Ben Mason and take away 50 pounds, you get Rob Lytle. And he made it to the pros, the NFL, the Broncos, and he blew out some of his knees. But he was so amazing, and it was like, you know, some guy like us, like I am, is not too big. But I look back, and he was bigger than I thought. He was six foot one, mm-hmm. not huge, yeah. 200 pounds.
0: Like, about running back, that's about running back size.
1: But he was such a hard-nosed guy, and he was first-team All-American. And Man, I just loved to watch him. I mean, other players I could sort of cheer for, and they were bigger in life, but Rob Lytle was, was the man. You know, it's,
0: it's really hard... And idolizing isn't the right word because you really don't want to idolize people necessarily, especially as an adult. But but people are in, in Michigan athletics to stand the test of time and to be in that ring of honor where you're just like that is that person is so transcendent as a Michigan athlete. It's been hard on the football side to have any of those people because of the lack of beating Ohio State.
1: You think Michigan should have a ring of honor like pros? Ah. I like, some of the other... Like, even Eastern Michigan... As long as as it's not
0: Legends numbers... Yeah, the the thing is... I think of people like Mike Hart and Chad Henney, who are deserving to be honored in some capacity. You know, going 0-4 against Ohio State makes it so that they don't have, like, those super transcendent moments as a fan. Where, like, Denard Robinson, even when they beat the weekend Ohio State team in 2011... um, That was just such a different experience, you know? It was like, oh, we finally did. And Denard could finally be like, he was a super awesome, transcendent player for Rich Rodriguez. And then he also helped them. He was
1: like Sonic the Hedgehog for football. I mean, he's just this guy not too tall, and he could just do anything. And he was so personable, too. He still is, and you see him around Ann Arbor occasionally. But there was another guy that I really liked as a player, Anthony Carter, wide receiver, superstar. And this is a guy that was all legs. I mean, his upper body was so short, but he had these long legs. And so a guy I grew up with, Norm Betts, from Midland, Michigan, went to U of M to be a tight end. And supposedly, the story I heard from my mom was that Bo Beauchamp told Norm, your job is to protect Anthony Carter. <laughs> you know, you had the big six-for-six six tight end, and if there's ever something going on, get people off him before they you know, oh, yeah. punch him or do whatever. Anthony Carter was so fast. John Wangler over the middle, a slant pattern. I mean, he was amazing. And he came from Florida, which you think, gosh, a guy from Florida come all the way to Michigan way back then in the 80s. Wasn't so common right. as it is now. Rich Rod opened up the pipeline for that.
0: Yeah, he did. And Michigan recruits so nationally now. Blows my mind. It blows my mind. I mean, they've always recruited nationally, especially under Lloyd Carr. Lloyd Carr produced so many NFL well, players. because Fred Jackson, his, wife, yeah.
1: his running back coach, was great getting people out of the South and Texas. Yeah, he was. Because he was. he was from Mississippi, and man, he was so good at that. That's why those coaches kept him, you know, when Rich I Rod know. kept him, because of recruiting.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And the Michigan experience is so unique, and Fred Jackson was such a good coach. It's, so, it's fun to think back... You know those two thousands teams were such a different experience for me growing up it was like my first round of and we moved here. Michigan loses to Ohio State the first year under Jim Tressel, but of course, lucky us, we moved here the first, the year Jim Tressel retired. <laughs> so many bad years. But then, but then the second year, we got to see Braylon and Chris Perry and um, John Navarre, kind of, you know do their thing against Ohio State and win the 100th game in, mm-hmm. of the rivalry. Right yeah. I, I remember watching that on TV. And that's my favorite moment, I think, as a Michigan fan so far. Uh, uh, you know, in my conscious collective memory. And I wish I was alive for 97. I wish I could say I, am, I could embrace <laughs> it as much as I want to, because I can't. I honestly can't.
1: You know, I was five at the time. Um, it's interesting, though. The championship team, besides Woodson... And maybe greasy. There's not a lot of players on that team that you just That's go, it. wow, they were so super awesome. A
0: train. Anthony Thomas was. He most... played with the Bears.
1: He he played a bunch of years there. Yeah. But um, yeah, I know. There's been a lot of years. Do you remember the year when Ohio State had Finkel as that coach, and they came up in Michigan? Yeah, 2011 you know, with Denard. And, yeah. and so after the game, we were so happy. I said we can't just stay in the house, so we went downtown Ann Arbor. <laughs> you had to hang with your parents and your little sister Well, it was like
0: 50 degrees it it was like it was like the most blessed day ever yeah. in November
1: so I said we gotta walk downtown and enjoy just the joy of us winning and not game. only
0: not only did we do that everyone did that, that it, it was like it that. was like a fa- and the next time we do it hopefully this November it'll yes, be warm definitely. It's gonna happen. and it was it was so cool because they shut down State Street and literally everyone was walking down the street State Street like we had <laughs> you know it's it's sad that it ha- It's happened so rarely in the recent past that, like, that was such a momentous moment. But it was. And it was a very cool moment. And I remember when freshman Blake Countess got the interception from, fr- like, off of freshman who was the quarterback that was really good for our house a few years ago. Then he's wide receiver for the Texans. Gosh, he was so good. Smith? Um, no, not choice. Well, it was But active. the whole
1: rivalry. Ohio State loves to beat up on Michigan, but they say they need Michigan in the same way. If they don't have a good rivalry, where else are they going to find like really great wins? And, but what really bothers me about Ohio State, and I got to rip on Ohio State at least once, is they their scheduling is so lame. They schedule so many softies. It's almost <laughs> like they're in the school of Alabama scheduling. Yes. Let's let's schedule nobody, and then save up all our energy for Michigan, but somehow, someway, Harbaugh's gotta get over the top and maybe by giving up the offense to Gattis this year will make the difference. Maybe having a quarterback that really scrambles and can really go, oh. but it's always been the defense, I think, that leads <laughs> Michigan down against our state. Last year was so random. They run overs every year. It doesn't matter what Don Brown does, it seems like he's so super great until the Ohio State game, and Ohio State figures them out. And I always wonder, conspiracy, something being slipped to Ohio State right beforehand.
0: Well, I'll tell you, with Greg Madison, who knows now? But um
1: <laughs> conspiracy, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. That it's just so crazy. And we, uh, and Michigan has been so close, you know, in overtime and whatnot recently. That's the part of the problem that stings the most with losing as much as Michigan has. For me, is just the fact that there have been so many close, great games. It's like the double overtime game against Ohio State a few years ago, the Devin Gardner extra point game. You know there have been so many moments in close games, and Michigan just doesn't. Out of any team in college athletics, you can almost guarantee if it's a 50-50 coin flip, Michigan is going to be the team to lose the coin flip,
1: Ugh. always. And well, just come on, this is a different year. This is a different. Well, year. yeah, and
0: Dabo Sweeney, in all fairness, went zero five to start his career against South Carolina and Steve Spurrier. Right. So if there was ever a chance, uh-huh. start dreaming. Start dreaming. The national title.
1: Yeah, but football, Michigan football, does it like any other, like no other sport does for me. I get so passionate. You know that when Michigan wins, I get so crazy. When they lose, I get so angry. I take it so well, personal. And I've j-
0: I've joked about it before. And I, if people ever listen to the first podcast, we've made a tradition out of on the day of the Ohio State game. Going because of the past few years have been so bleak. Going and cutting down our Christmas tree during the first quarter, and then de- depending on the score and everything, you know, maybe we'll watch those last three quarters, um, uh, which doesn't really help yeah, much. I know. But we just we ha- we have to have something to get the edge off. Well, this is
1: a new tradition just to save our marriages and family <laughs> life. Because my wife was like, I can't take it anymore. You're about broken every time they lose to Iowa State. Uh, but it's just so ingrained in me. Since a little yeah. kid, it's like worse than losing to your brother. Worse than losing to your worst enemy. I just can't stand Ohio State so bad. And I was saying that to some of my relatives. And they said, wait a second. Do you realize our grandparents are from the Toledo area? And I went, no. No. Waterville, Ohio. Them. Waterville, Ohio. And I'm like, okay, I can't hate them quite as you much. Can. You can. But they're just so obnoxious. I just, I don't know. Well, Toledo. This is the year. This is the year. You
0: know, being being... From the Bowling Green undergrad program and then Toledo Law School, that is the ultimate like melting place between the two. You see equal parts Michigan and Ohio State flags. Mm. You know you support even even in Michigan. You up you know five miles inside, you start to see you still see a lot of Ohio State stuff.
1: So. Well, just the other day we were watching uh, a rerun of the Harbaugh Super Bowl, and yeah. we both said that was so crazy that they both were there. We forgot how crazy it was. And Harbaugh, yes, he came to college, but he's still the guy who got a team to the Super Bowl. He knows how to coach. I think people underestimate how hard it is in college football to recruit, to have the recruits play, play out. And Ohio State and Alabama and now Clemson have been above everybody else in facilities and recruiting and semi-questionable soft scholarships. and. I think Harbaugh is going about the right way. I think this could be the next year. What makes me a little nervous is everybody else is saying that too. And it's like, Are the players going to buy into well, that I'll before you, they think, actually start?
0: I think the math does work out in football, especially college football, where you say, these are the teams that have the best chance this year. And then you kind of just let it up to the dice. Because you're know, returning starters, You know, what does the coach do? One thing I like moving forward is that Harbaugh by giving the offense over to Gaddis, if he's truly able to do this, he's actually going to see firsthand what the next level of offense looks like. And Harbaugh, a lot of strengths, a lot of weaknesses, but definitely an offensive guru for a lot of years. He's willing to adapt, and I think he always saw the pro style as the best way forward. But people can't forget that that he was the head coach for Colin Kaepernick in the 49ers. And he did a lot of RPO uh, with Stanford, too, a little bit. But, but especially with Colin Kaepernick, they were able to make the Super Bowl because he utilized a running quarterback in an effective way. For some reason, though, Pep Hamilton, I think I blame Pep more than anyone because I really don't think Pep utilized the offensive skill set as, as well as he could have. Uh, Will and Spate, I think, feels the same way. I think
1: it's just too many people involved in the Mm -hmm. the offense. And I think that's when he finally figured out that he had to simplify it. And each year, he's made adjustments. There's Mm -hmm. no doubt. Harbaugh's made adjustments. So in Harbaugh, I trust Mm -hmm. we're going to make it. Mm -hmm. Um, But football, by far, is number one. Uh, Basketball for Michigan has been huge for me growing up, too. And I used to watch on TV. And Chrysler in the old days looked like the stands just went straight up on TV. It looked like <laughs> there was people stacked on type of people. What, was Michigan really,
0: basketball on TV when you were growing up? Yeah, oh
1: yeah, Saturday's usually a game. And um, the first player that I really started to pay attention to wasn't until the 80s, and I was similar age, a guy, guy named Antoine Jobert. He was a guard out of Detroit, and he was flashy, he was sort of like a poor man's Magic Johnson, in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this, Max, is, this
0: is right around the time of Magic, so it's Well, it was just time.
1: after Magic, and he came in, and he played well, and uh, he got people interested, got me interested in basketball. And then I sort of lost interest for a while, after, and then they won the national championship, Glenn Rice, of course, but I was already in a, the South, living in the South, and when we moved back in 2002, you probably know my favorite player when we moved back. We got tickets to go, to the Michigan basketball.
0: Laval Blanchard?
1: Or? No, Graham Brown. Gra-
0: of of course. Graham of course. Brown is if you are a
1: hardcore Michigan fan, you know who he is. If you don't, <laughs> he's a white dude from Mayo, Michigan, like six foot eight, hard nosed guy. He always looks like he doesn't quite belong up there, but he gets it done. He was
0: he was. The ugliest basketball
1: player, from, from, a, from a playing standpoint. Not the way he looks, but just the, he, he looked a little awkward, but he was so tough, determined, there was and diving, nothing pretty about his game. and I just loved it. When he scored, people went crazy. He got me back into Michigan basketball. I just liked watching him play, and he played in Europe for a while, and did other things. But it just sometimes takes one guy like that, and you wouldn't get that if you didn't go in person. So Michigan yeah. basketball took on a whole nother level when we started getting tickets to the games, and before it was popular, we would go see We We
0: went, I like to call it the old Chrysler era, the dirty Chrysler. Oh, it was dirty. I mean, because Chrysler, Arena, man, before they, one thing Dave Brandon definitely did right was renovate Chrysler. Yeah, I give him credit. That's the only thing I'll give him. Anyways, old Chrysler was so dingy. That was was definitely the one thing Brandon did do right was renovate Chrysler. If you're a
1: fan, you owe it to yourself to go in person and go with your family and to see what was going on, and then you actually live and die, it feels like, through the, the game, and then you hear the band playing, and you get all pumped up, and that loyalty really comes out.
0: Okay, so, so Beeline Era, man, which RIP is, is come and gone now. Uh, who was who your, your favorite basketball player from the Beeline Era?
1: Mm. I think Trey Burke is right up there, just because he's a guy who came from Ohio up to Michigan. He was, people thought he wasn't going to do as well as he did, and he was so clutch. I mean, that run they did to the national championship game, he was hitting stuff all over the place. Talk about how
0: talk about how we burn too hot when we watch Michigan sports. Michigan was losing to Kansas. I went up to use the bathroom and Uh. was just sitting on the toilet at home, <laughs> and, then, and I was refreshing my Twitter feed, just annoyed, I was ready to see, Kansas wins, oh. Kansas wins, and then all of a sudden, Twitter feed just goes And all of a sudden, it's just like, Trey Burke, oh my god, Trey Burke, oh my god. And I, I was like, oh, I don't gotta use the bathroom, run downstairs, like, what just happened? And of course, Trey Burke hit the show. So he's one Bullshit. of
1: them, so uh, McCorm, what was the big dude that, McGarry? McGarry, he was one of our favorites, just because he was so big, and he had so much yeah. energy. He had such a
0: passing, he had such a touch as a passer. Oh.
1: He was great, and, but Mo Wagner in the last three years, or four, he's, he plays with emotion, he's always hustling. It's like he doesn't care if he's cool or not, he's just going to play hard. He kind, of, he
0: kind of defines what you want as a basketball player, it come, especially as a college basketball player, yeah. of, the, of the spirit, the spirit, you know, the emotion and the spirit and just like well, so what exciting. do you think
1: Beeline helped the most? Because that's one of his things is that he takes players and he always improves their game.
0: Mm. Mm, Hardaway
1: that's what I was going to say too Hardaway okay. I think was so intimidated by his legacy of his dad Hardaway
0: was, was a completely I mean he was a nothing it's hard to be a nothing as a recruit when your dad is Tim Hardaway No. right I mean he was a nothing recruit and then he came in but he did remember he shot a lot his freshman year he shot a lot and Beeline was like hey just do it just do it just do it and then he struggled to the point where he, we didn't think he was going to be an NBA player no, for him. I didn't think
1: he, I mean he could always sky when he needed to but his shot was like... Hey. Even his
0: senior year, or did he leave after his junior? He, he left after his junior because Burke left after his sophomore year. I didn't think he was going to be an NBA player. And then all of a sudden the tournament happened. And then the one moment that I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to be really good was the championship game against Louisville when he went to drive and he... He did not do this a lot from my memory. But then he just threw down a monstrous I dunk. elevated like crazy. I just, and it was like an NBA dunk. It was yeah. like, oh it wow. Was like Glenn Robinson III. It he has
1: elevation when you're there in person. All of a sudden they jump and you think that's the peak. And no, they keep going up. And you're like, whoa. It was like he
0: kind of just hung above everyone for a minute. There. So like
1: basketball, there's nothing like it when a basketball player does something so amazing. Everybody just goes, wow. But that's different than when a football touchdown, like you get 100,000 people cheering. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's different types of excitement. One mm-hmm. just blows your mind that they can do it because you're so close. Mm-hmm. And the other one, is just such an awesome feeling when mm-hmm. 100,000 people are happy. Ready right
0: for my, my hot take here. The best experience in Michigan fandom. Michigan fandom. In Michigan fa- if you're going to be a fan, you want to experience peak Michigan excitement and happiness, Sold out Chrysler Arena.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Basketball team goes on an eight nothing run, ten nothing run, and the opposing team calls a timeout, and they go to a TV timeout. <laughs> and that moment hits, and, and if they got the alumni band back, that old the old guy yeah, starts hail to the victors, yeah. and all of a sudden the entire arena. I think it's because Michigan Stadium, you know, was fa- you know was opened. Yeah. there's no roof, but yeah. in Chrysler Arena, everyone's going crazy. Crazy hail to the victors is being played, and it's just like. Yeah. It's just reverberating And all of a sudden You can't do anything But just sing Hail to the Victors On your feet Screaming And it's something about Being in that environment That is like Super I think unique It's and more intense It is more intense It is It's like pure passion It's, that it's like
1: refined Michigan spirit Like in the big house It's just like This huge Like bass note It's oh, happiness But it's and, like yeah. Power but the,
0: but the moment in basketball You're like Oh we couldn't do this And that's One of the things we went to a lot of Amaker-era basketball games
1: yes, we did. because
0: of, because they were the Amaker-era basketball team. However, because of that, we got to go see, me and you have probably gone to see four or five Michigan State-Michigan games. Oh yeah. And, and a couple of them were at like half court you know, in the second level. Mm-hmm. But a couple of times, Amaker had a way where he actually beat Michigan State a few times at home. And we actually at least saw two times, if I can remember correctly, I might be totally wrong with that, but I think we've seen them beat Michigan State at home twice. The Daniel Horton days, Lester Abrams, these really
1: like, I mean... And the last one I went to, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, I got tickets from one of the assistant coaches. Those but, are the Miles Bridges. Uh, right. right? And, yeah. and, but everybody was there. The governor was there. Uh, the mayor of Detroit was there all these celebrities there, CBS Sports is there, and I'm thinking, boy, how far we have come. And that And that's... And I was four seats up from the, um, seats in the halftime, the uh, coach's wife said to me, hey, we go back underneath the stands for lunch, and they had a spread there wow. from the pizza house, and we <laughs> ate pizza, and then we walked back on the court, or near the court, went up to our seats and saw the second half, and that was like, okay, I've arrived, I'm, I'm now at another level with Michigan basketball. Unfortunately, my buddy moved to, Coach at Butler. If you're a big Michigan basketball fan, you can figure out who that is. Yeah, I've heard a couple of people. um, But man, that was really sweet. And Michigan has that sense. Like once in a while, it's just so awesome. It makes you want to keep on coming back for more and more. So it's sort of a combination of you have true excellence across the board in a lot of different sports. Which we we haven't even taught hockey or volleyball or swimming or baseball. Or baseball, played crazy. We've been to some (laughs) baseball games. Just the accessibility in Ann Arbor, too, to get to all that. I always wish that a lot of the season be played during the summer where I have more time to get there. Like in the mm-hmm. springtime, I want to get out of work early so I can get over to a basketball game. I want to oh, do yeah. this. But it's, uh, it's an awesome feeling. So as you can tell, even my email has Go Blue in it. So that ties it somewhere. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, I, it was so cool. I mean, I, I can tell just based off the passion that I've gained for Michigan sports, it came straight from you the excitement that you had when us as a family moved to ann arbor from north carolina it was just like this is going to be so cool just being this close to michigan athletics it's something that like we've i mean i live 30 minutes outside of ann arbor now and you guys still live pretty close but it's like it's something that the longer you live in ann arbor the more you take for granted how accessible Michigan at the sporting events are. Oh man, even
1: wrestling or, I mean, but we, could,
0: we could go to any yeah. sports game and like, you know, you live five, six hours away as a Michigan fan, you can't go. No. If you live no. multi you know, states away, you can't. That's something that is just so cool when you're just there is like, yeah, this is Michigan sports. This is, there's a reason why they're so liked, you know, so loved or so hated depending on.
1: Right. The thing about Michigan and other states is they think Michigan is so arrogant. Because of the academics and the rich kids from New
0: York and California.
1: And Ohio says that all the time. I worked down Ohio for a little while. Oh, Michigan are so arrogant, da 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 da. And I think, wait a second, you're the guys always talking about the Ohio State. I I think there's arrogance anywhere you go. Anything
0: more inside. Yeah, and college athletics is so tribal. Even uniquely, more so than any other sport in America, college athletics is just purely tribal. It's the closest thing to how Europe has soccer where, where all the european soccer clubs are just from the towns you know they're just the town clubs that became really big so, so they're more did i really tell you the
1: story when we went to liverpool game and manchester united last summer we're going in to see that at the big house because i'm a huge liverpool fan and i'm wearing a red liverpool polo shirt and i'm walking in and the guys taking in the tickets are the same guys who take it for football games he looks up at me and says I've never seen this much red in Michigan Stadium, I hope I'll never see it again. <laughs> and of course he's making reference Ohio State's wearing red, but there was tons of red in there. And so many, that was like one of the biggest, most relaxed parties I've ever been to when we went to that soccer game. And people were relaxed, they weren't too uptight, and whatever happened, happened. But it wasn't the intensity of a Michigan football game when everything's on the line, you see them come in and jump up and hit the banner. Um, just really awesome.
0: It is so awesome. It is so awesome. I, I mean, yeah. There's a reason why I think it gets hard in, in this era of Twitter, with the Twitter beef and everything and even social media in general. College athletics and just sports in general can, can feel so toxic so quickly. And it's like there is a reason why Michigan fans are Michigan fans. So we
1: haven't talked about one segment of Michigan fandom that some people love and some hate and I don't know what where we are with time, but the Fab Five. The Fab Five You haven't
0: talked about Juwan Howard's Fab Five.
1: Well the Fab Five were just so their own people. They came along and said, this is who we are. We play wait, wait, really wait, good basketball. We wait, were long wait, shorts. First where
0: where were you where were you when the Fab Five first hit your radar as like as like a person what was it I was mean we, you were you were living in
1: so in Kentucky, or Maryland. But, like, what what was, like, the experience? I mean, so the Fab Five from a distance was, like, man, these guys are so good. I'm so glad they're playing for Michigan. So glad they have each other's backs. And they seemed like, so cohesive. Um, and you just hope for the best, right? From a distance, you just hope for the best they'd be around. It was almost like Michigan's answer to Jordan. Because NC had Jordan. and And he wasn't in college. He was great, but not the yeah, NBA, we doing, yeah, but here these guys all could play, they could all play different positions. Um, the hope was they were gonna play for a couple years and get us a national championship. I think Weber is really a smart guy, so is Jalen Rose. I'm hoping they're gonna come back and say, hey, we were young, we made some mistakes, All's forgiven. Other people like were so over these guys, but I think for, the, uh, for Michigan and a lot of young players, they looked up to these guys so much that they could have attitude and not go too far and a, a program embrace them for having that I'll tell you,
0: attitude. You know, the 30 for 30 on the Fab Five, I think really allowed the legend of the Fab Five to continue for my generation and the younger kids now coming up where they have it so accessible, where they can watch it all condensed. But also, it, it, uh, the, the documentary allowed for the best parts of the Fab Five to come out and become more legendary and kind of let the nastiness subside and be pushed to the side for the first time. Even though they they talk about it in the documentary. But it's like, the Fab Five can now permanently be placed in like the good guys making bad decisions category, right? Sure,
1: young guys making bad decisions. I wanna throw a shout out to Ward Emanuel right now, the new AD, he's not new anymore. I think he came in and has done an unbelievable, great job yeah. uh, Yeah. after Dave Brandon. He is not a guy that needs attention. He's so quiet,
0: he's so behind the scenes.
1: Well, we yeah. had the in- interim guy that went to Packet. Ford. Hackett. He did a good job too. But Warren Emanuel, you see him around the town. He, I saw him walking to have lunch with his wife down at the subway <laughs> the other day. He just he keeps himself, but I guess one on one, he lets people know who's boss and mm-hmm. this is the way it's gonna be. And he handles things so well. And I wasn't sure he should hire Juwan Howard because of no college experience. Besides that, I have no problem about that. But I'm thinking mm-hmm. recruiting is a lot of that. Scheming for college is a lot different than NBA. But Ward handles it so well, and then they get a bunch of great assistants. Oh yeah, Phil
0: Martelli is that's that's like the best assistant hiring of like, I mean, I mean, I don't, I shouldn't say all the time, I'm but just like
1: Ward is a really good athletic director and. I'm old enough to remember Don Canham, who was the guy who brought in Bo. And Don Canham had an attitude, but he was a marketer. He knew what he needed to do to get more people. Marketing outside.
0: might sound like a dirty word for Michigan After James Dave Brandon. Brandon <laughs> yeah. But I, Yeah, and that's the cool thing is, it seems like Word Manuel makes these decisions, whether or not they're popular or not, on the non-sports side, the financial side, he makes decisions, he, he lets people know, there's a little press release, and he lets it go. It like, seemed like Dave Brandon, whenever he would make a big marketing deal or, or announce a sponsorship, he had the PR guys pump it out and be like, Dave Brandon made this happen and this is happening. And it's like they tried to make a celebration out of the business side of things. People don't want a celebration of the business side. It doesn't matter. Like,
1: He always came across as doing everything for the dollar. Every decision seemed like, how can we make our brand bigger? How can we grow? I mean, the, he is the most. we squeeze more? the most of the evil fans? guy
0: in America. He killed. <laughs> he killed Toys R Us. He killed Toys R Us. Oh, they're opening
1: up a few stores yeah, at, every you know, season now, but after the, season after store
0: they store. cut the after they cut the pensions oh. and didn't pay the workers, they fired. Yeah, that, that's why they're opening the new stores because mm-hmm. they had declared bankruptcy and then.
1: But Don Canham, a long time ago, was a good ad. He, best thing he did is he brought in. But he built the foundation so these, a lot of these things could happen. And But I think the pride of Michigan sports needed somebody like Ward Emanuel, who had played, that understood it, and the alumni demanded. And the alumni were not behind Rich Rod. They didn't feel like he understood them. He, they didn't want to sing wing behind my wings or "Under uh, yeah. my wings. That was just totally oh, read wrong. The the That's right, yeah. I mean, Hoke underst- Brady Hoke understood it, but he just didn't have the football smart. Bra- Brady Hoke,
0: I think, I think all Michigan fans will say this. Brady Hoke should be welcomed back in Ann Arbor every day of yes, the year. He should day. be back as a coach of some capacity or as, as an administrator great guy there's someone that just he he bled he bleeds amazing oh, and you know guy. it right you know, yeah no a, problem and like i i mean i really wish he w- it would have worked out better but you just knew he loved michigan football yeah and especially in hindsight with harbaugh being here is it's just like i would take that job even if i was way underqualified for it too right. you know like that it's more Dave Bryan's. I had the opportunity
1: to meet Lloyd Carr after he retired, and it wasn't about football, about something else. But he had, he wasn't a he's not a big man. He he doesn't talk fast. He's from the south, but he, when he looks at you, you believe him. Mm-hmm. He's a real genuine guy, and he might be. Some people will say he was in the right place at the right time to get the job at the detriment of Gary Mueller. And I, you know, things happen you can't control. But you some coaches they run their their span And you mm-hmm. got to move on. And how do you move on in a quality way? But with Jim Harbaugh, everybody has commented that if he does really well, he's going back to the NBA and NFL. I think he will, but not at least for another 10 years. I, I think after yeah. his kids grow up and they won't be in Ann Arbor anymore, I think if he still wants to coach, he'll still be relatively young. So so
0: as long as he eventually gets it turned around to the point where he doesn't, I mean, he's not game-fired. But to that kind of point, this is the thing. I think, A, he wants to be here for 15 years at least because I, he sees himself as Bo Beckler. Like, he genuinely, this is his thing. And, and, I mean, everyone's talked about this already so much. But, like, he sees himself, that this is, he is living his dream even still, even with the record against Ohio State. And as long as the Gaddis thing works out and he realizes he is a master... Of the game, he loves the game. He's he's a studier of the game. He's a learner. The C, the CEO thing is not natural to him, but it's something that he sees Davo doing. He sees uh, he saw Trestle do. He sees Sabin doing, and I think he saw Urban Meyer do. And I think he's really going to try his hardest to become the CEO of Michigan's football team, and just figure that part out. Because if there's one thing that I can promise you, it's that if he's able to. He's going to stay here long enough to get a winning record against Ohio State. If he can start turning around, now if they lose the next two years, and he's like 0-6, and, and he's able to get like 4-6 or something, right. maybe that changes. But well, I think what that's does it take these
1: days to get your program to that level? Do you have to borderline I mean, cheat? Or, I mean, well, yes. or like Urban Meyer, Harbaugh made that famous statement a little while ago that everywhere we go, controversy well, yeah. well, Here's
0: the thing, Harbaugh has more wins at Michigan than any other school in the past five years short of Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. Right, so like, they are so consistent, they just, they're, they're a top 10 program easily, they're just not a top three program. Not
1: winning program. the big
0: game. Right, so, so they're a top 10 program, but not a top three program, and it's like.
1: But what's the difference between the two? I think Sabo's clean. Not a chance,
0: there's a zero percent chance. I, Clemson, no, Clemson,
1: He's well, I'm saying so that's school. the point. Do you think South Alabama's Carolina? clean?
0: No, no, I don't think any of them are Clemson clean. Clemson is clean? No.
1: Ohio State? No. Michigan? No. No. You don't think Michigan's clean? I don't either. think Michigan's
0: I mean, I think Michigan is cleaner. <laughs> I, but, I, I mean, I think, I don't think, they, I don't think the incentives are there where they have to offer more money. But, and that's a whole other topic. But I think one of the things is just the way of the world, Alabama and Clemson are perfectly suited to be national championship contenders every year, because Alabama, state of Alabama, is so crazy about football. Clemson is the private school in the South that's so crazy about football, and then Ohio State is also uniquely situated because they have the greatest geographical advantage of any school outside of the South. They are basically an SEC team. Columbus, Columbus, Ohio State is the SEC team. They're more SEC than Kentucky when it comes to football. Right, like they get to recruit in the South, like Kentucky. They have Kentucky's base. Uh, you know, you know all the all the football Ohio State fans in, in Southern Ohio are Kentucky basketball fans. Right they're, they're, you know.
1: So, if you weren't a Michigan fan, what's your number two? What's your big number two that you'd root for on a college Sunday, Saturday? Excuse me, on a college Saturday, who would you root for besides Michigan? Okay, if
0: I didn't, so my mom is from Georgia, so group you know the huge Georgia thing. Okay. Who has my heart? If I'm being totally honest, Iowa has my heart. Iowa? Iowa, I think is the coolest part. Iowa? Iowa is like... But he's like, Wait, let me tell your mom. Let me get a home. Here, here's mom. the thing, I mean, I would not go to Iowa. Iowa's not the school I would choose to go uh-huh. to, but Iowa ha- Iowa feels like the the actual like... The Hoosers of the, the Big Ten. The grain, the, the, they're people of the dirt of, of the Big Ten in a way that I want Michigan to be. Like They're like the actual salt of the earth. Type school, and they always win the night games and they crush Ohio State, but but when it comes to like,
1: they're like the Friday Night Lights team of the Big Ten. They
0: well yeah they're just I, I get the earnest feeling from them like the the but they're real people. Yeah, maybe it's the Steelers jerseys type <laughs> thing. But uh I, I'll ask you the same question after I, I give this like a quick second. I was like, quietly my favorite second favorite Big Ten school. Um, if I was, but if I was like go anywhere or choose anything, it would have to be Stanford.
1: Mm-hmm. It would have
0: to be Stanford, or it would have to be like Oregon maybe. But I think Stanford just because Stanford's yeah,
1: cool. I think
0: it's just so respectable on every level. Right. As much as you want to begrudgingly have it not be uh, Virginia Tech. You know, working in college football like I did, Blacksburg is such a cool location. What What about you, Dad? Where, where... So growing up
1: was no doubt Michigan State was my second favorite team. Loved Michigan State, but I always was at least three steps below Michigan, at least intensity. And then I didn't mind Michigan State until I moved to Ann Arbor in 2002. Mm-hmm. And then in 2002, some yappy Michigan State fans started giving me a hassle. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And I think you're just, you're just happy. And then it got worse, and people just nipping, nipping. I was thinking, what happened? It seemed like Michigan, Michigan State was a rivalry, but since I got back to Michigan, it's become this snippy thing, and I it, and it got so you annoyed. Mean, this
0: was before Twitter, too. So it's it so annoying <laughs> to the
1: Michigan State fans like they can play it both ways. Like they have a chip on the shoulder, and then even when you know they when they complain about it, I'm like, you can't have it both ways.
0: Well, I think that's what I try to. I I try to, I try to remember. I gave up Twitter for a year and a half because of law school. And coming back to it, it shocks my conscience how how much of vitriol there is and how negative everyone is and obviously because of the politics stuff that has a lot to do with it but in sports everyone is always so petty too and it's like I would like to find the good fans of every fan base and just be cool with them you know just be cool because you know like I know there's cool Michigan State people and there's especially self deprecating ones after how bad that offense is yeah Michigan state but Oh, it's so brutal. It is, the pettiness is so nasty. I don't yeah,
1: really, so I, I want to say Michigan State's my fav, second favorite, but they're really are not anymore. I mean, I'm tolerant of them, and I'm just like, just give it up. You can't have it both ways.
0: All right, so who, who is
1: it? Um, I really do like watching Georgia, since your mom's rubbed off on me. If, if,
0: I, if I was to take out the fa- Georgia's my number two. Yeah, That's, I always, I, like I always root to for you know.
1: Georgia now, because when I moved down yeah. south, I met her. The first uh, Christmas gift she gave me was a Georgia hoodie. No <laughs> that was nice. I, I thought, all right, this one we were dating, she likes me enough to give me a football hoodie. You, this is a good sign. You
0: know, when we were growing, when I was growing up and I was in high school, Georgia had Matthew Stafford and No Marino. So I was a huge I was a huge Georgia fan. Yeah. I bought a, I bought a bunch of Georgia gear and then Stafford got drafted by the Lions. Yeah. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah. I, I know you know that, but yeah. like I remember that. and then you know, I have two cousins. I have one cousin that graduated from the University of Alabama. And my mom has Alabama roots. And so I try so hard to be cool with Alabama. <laughs> I try so hard to enjoy it. You know, I have, I have a late great uncle who was a massive Alabama fan. And I can still remember when I was a freshman, sophomore in high school, Alabama won their first title under Nick Saban. And I was so angry because Colt McCoy got hurt in the first quarter. <laughs> and I was so convinced Texas was going to be Alabama I ranted on Facebook about how unfair it was. It's so brutal. This is like fourteen-year-old me. Looking back, I'm just so embarrassed. And I'll never remember, never forget. My great uncle Jim, uh, Jimmy. He he commented. He said, "Not everyone feels the same way you do." Roll Tide. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, oh okay. And that maybe my first moment of like internet sobriety. Where I was like, oh fine. Speaking of Facebook, has these memories now night the 2007 era is very brutal where we really young me has this these very long posts every fall why won't lloyd carr bench chad henny for <laughs> ryan mallet ryan mallet would win the heisman this yeah. year and i was just like this well, is sam brutal. McDuffie or whatever
1: yes you know. i have to hit delete sam, sam mcduffy
0: at least was a rich rod guy but ryan mallet's first year was with yeah. lloyd carr and it's like and i was so convinced
1: that Ryan Mallett was the man. Ryan Mallett
0: from Texarkana. I'll never forget his, his high school profile. Because he was the first like high school highlight person that was like, this guy is it. Oh my gosh, Ryan Mallett. And then, woof. That's, that's a whole other segment for another day. It's talking about all the people that disappoint me. Who disappointed Michigan Athletics? Yeah, Georgia. Georgia's there. Definitely Georgia. I'm just trying to think of who was who the most, I mean, This is a very off-base question. I'm sure everyone would have a different answer. Who do you think is the most likable college football program from a neutral standpoint right now? So I remember in the 2000s, I remember Joey Harrington was coming up with Oregon. Oregon was very likable
1: back then because they were so cool with all their new helmets and nobody else was doing it. And they were trying the new jerseys and
0: they weren't really the coolest jerseys yet, but they were trying with the new jerseys.
1: I will tell you who I like right now who's... I shouldn't really like because they're in the Big Ten, but I just like them. Northwestern, I love their coach. He just is so – Pass for Jared. You don't like Pass for I, Jared? I used to he's like shaking him, his head at me.
0: He, he, he turned into a union-busting bootlicker. Oh. But that's, that's a <laughs> – But he,
1: they always seem to have upsets, and you think yeah, yeah, Northwestern right. they are not going to get great I get players. It. I get it. He always coaches them up. He always is respectful of the players. He does things the right way, it seems like. Unless
0: they want to join a union. But that's another story. For right, but I like watching.
1: Yeah. I like rooting for Northwestern when they're not playing Michigan. I, I like seeing what they can do. Get, and
0: they're 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 the ultimate underdog in the Big Ten.
1: Right, right. I like watching them and seeing what they can do. Um, yeah. Mm, out in the West, in the N- pack 12 Northwestern gets definitely Northwestern. Pac-12, I like watching the USC-UCLA game that's old school. It's the prettiest game. Yeah, prettiest because of the cheerleaders. Wow, yeah, the colors. The color on color. Oh, the, yeah, the, right. the powder blue versus the right. red, yeah.
0: Um, you, know, you know who I really like? I mean, I think Boise State is there. Boise State probably should have been my oh, real Oh, the answer. blue field. I can't I do
1: it. I just can't do it. You're it not a fan. It burns my eyes. You're not a
0: fan of the Smurf turf. No. But also, on that, Chris Peterson the head coach that went from Boise oh, to, to Washington. Washington. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's He's like the ultimate guy that I'm like, he's who I would want at Michigan if Jim Harbaugh wasn't there. He would be my I number one I told you I went choice. to Washington,
1: the University of Washington, Seattle, yeah. and they have a statue of Don James right outside of it. Mm-hmm. But the stadium's right on a lake, which is sort of weird. like, here's this lake and here's the big football stadium right next and to they, the camp. They tailgate,
0: they tailgate on the lake. On the um, boats? And, and, boats? and there's only one other school in the NCAA that tailgates on the lake right beside their stadium. This is super random.
1: Is Do it you, Illinois or something? No, that's no, too not far quite. Away. But
0: you're you're in the right geographical area, kind of Tennessee. What? There's no. University yeah, Tennessee has a has a lake or a river right by. A there. river, right yes, there. I can believe. So, but yeah. Okay, I should have said body of water. I'm body of water, yeah. Tailgate on the water there, but uh, yeah, okay. Washington for me is up there. Chris Peterson. Was well, it him and Gary Patterson? Like that so what of? is your
1: most prized Michigan item? I can tell you I have a bunch of different things that are Michigan. Like I have a imitation brown jug that has the scores written down. That is super
0: cool. That is a super And cool. I have it in
1: storage. I bought you a Michigan clock slash scoreboard that I'm saving for you. Yep. And you now finally put it in your house now in your man cave. That's right. That's um, right. So those are probably my two favorite Michigan Memorabilia
0: stuff. Okay, I think I think I still have the ticket from when we went to go see Davidson and Steph Curry play against Michigan <laughs> as a freshman, and I, I tell this story so much, like yearly on Twitter, like every audio thing I've done for five years, every time we're we're around I tell it, but yeah, the fact that we got to see freshman Steph Curry
1: because early in the season that's a beauty of basketball you can see it, no. Need it was, to it be. was his
0: true freshman year at Davidson, right? And the only way we- I. We just noticed that the scrawny kid was shooting all the shots for them. Because we saw his dad play yeah. at Charlotte Hornets like, when he time, lived down there. At halftime, you're like, oh, his last name's Curry. I think this might be Del Curry's son. Um,
1: yeah. Come yeah, to yeah, find out, he it, shoots 45% yeah. from
0: three as a true freshman right. and turns into, turns into the greatest shooter of all time. And if
1: you have never been on a really nice basketball court set up like that, it's a little bouncy. They actually put it on yeah. a type of suspension type I wouldn't say springs, but something similar to that. Well, similar,
0: so similar to how we used to go on the football field before they yeah. cut that down. They used to do the same with basketball. The free they
1: throws. They used to let you go out there and shoot free throws and things.
0: Yeah, that was cool. So that, that would, I think, maybe is my most random cool thing.
1: But the key, I think, is when a family passes on the passion. So my dad always passed on the passion for Michigan, but also sports in general. But by him taking me to the stadium when I was a little kid, just ramped it up. Like, plus, Michigan was winning when I was a little kid. Whatever team is winning a lot, you just sort of naturally gravitate. They're going to have to start winning Big Ten championships.
0: My, my, my girls can The yeah. last Big Ten championship they won was 15 years ago.
1: Well, let's put it this way. Even Ohio State was tired of Urban Meyer by the time he left. I <laughs> know. Does that make well, you feel yeah, any we, better? We can
0: always make ourselves feel better as Michigan fans. There is a little bit of truth to being a little bit more uppity for a good reason. at least when it comes to Ohio State, or Michigan State, maybe of the more righteous, but I mean, no one should be too righteous.
1: Yeah, there's always going to be problems. There's always going to want it too bad. Some people that want it too bad. But Michigan, I think, tries to be a little bit like a Stanford or a Georgia Tech that says, you have to have these academic credentials to be here. If you're not, you need to move on. And that's a huge difference in college sports since I was in. The idea that people can transfer between colleges now and how they're revisiting when they should go and how hard should they be able to prove it or just do automatic. Mm -hmm. I like what Jim Harbaugh said, every player should have a chance to transfer once. Well, if you're a true Michigan fan, you want them all to work together. That's another reason I like Ward Emmanuel. He Mm -hmm. works behind the scenes. He knows he's not the star. He gets it done. Um, But yeah, so one and done. Is another thing I want to rant and rave about. I think college basketball it continues to suffer one and done. And I don't think, I almost feel like NBA should get rid of the one and done. Just if they want him, to come, let them come. Well, I and, think it's
0: going to happen, but you know what needs to happen, Dad? They need to wait until after Imani Bates gets his year at Michigan. <laughs> the, the number one guy from Lincoln High School it's in Ypsilanti, Michigan. You know, is is,
1: is know the next a, Kevin Durant. I don't I wouldn't put him there. I mean he
0: won a state title with Lincoln High School in his freshman year. That's
1: crazy. He's, and he's a the, super skinny six foot ten guy. Six or? foot eight, I think, right yeah, now, it's but it's number cool. one in the nation. I don't know. Anyways,
0: anyways, that's just a funny little rant. But I agree, I agree. Keep going.
1: So just you wanna see good things happen for college sports. But the money is always a temptation. And coaches wanna win so bad, they'll cheat when they need to cheat. And then players, and then A A, a- C A U. Mm-hmm. Oh, gee So I could be an old man and complain about all these all day long. So right, you're a Michigan fan, so. But what I want to see is the players being protected and given in their rights. I am not in favor of them being paid. I know you are. That's all right. That's all right. I, I think how can you make it fair for everybody to get paid when you have a little tiny school out in boondock somewhere, and then you have a big U of M. Yeah. I mean, well, you, I,
0: you don't make it fair, you split up the athletics so people are competing against people. You make it an open market
1: system. But the big time programs are not going to be in favor of making the playing field more level. So it's like pro sports. Yeah. The teams who have more money, they sort of say, yeah, we're going to do this tax and make it more well, level. They're going to they do, really don't They're going want to do them. it
0: under the table or they're going to do it over the table. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the trouble.
1: If you don't take care of people, they're going to go to extremes to have money. Yeah. And if you set up players where they're living poor, I, can, I don't blame a kid for taking a meal or doing something just to get by. But anyways, Michigan hopefully is not one of those programs where any kid goes hungry, every kid gets a fair place to live. And, um, and
0: that's one of the things, I think that's gonna attract these, and this is for another conversation, another day, but baseball's talked about this, and the other sports that don't offer full scholarships, with the MGo Blue program, uh, where where they're offering free tuition for parents, you know, students who may, whose parents make a certain amount of money, mm-hmm, yeah. where, where these partial scholarship players that come from poor areas can go to U of M, play their sport, whether it's baseball or volleyball or anything, and then get tuition free for the rest of that, you know, tuition. Anyways, conversation for another day, Dad. Thank you
1: for joining me. I appreciate enjoyed it. I'll put view. it in a plug for my podcast. Do it. So I have Pardon the Confusion, I have Trumbull Dads, I have Man to Man, and I have The Boys of Summer. Those are four sports podcasts that are on my platform, greatamericanman.org. So go to greatamericanman.org. It just started where a bunch of my buddies who I used to go to sporting events and play sports with moved out of Michigan and I just missed talking to them about sports. So. Uh, thanks to Skype and other uh, technology, we talk weekly and have a lot of fun. So check out greatamericaman.org and it listen to some of the podcasts. I, I
0: jump on quite a bit. So And
1: David's even on there.
0: Occasionally, yeah. But probably want to avoid that uh, if you've made it this far into the podcast. <laughs> this is nice, good vacation podcast, Dad, from Traverse City, Michigan.
1: That's right. Let's go out and swim some more.
0: Holiday camping park. Yeah, we're going to go swim. Enjoy the rest of the weekend and the week. I'll be back for the next podcast on Thursday, and and it'll be more of a traditional podcast with recruiting update from the barbecue that happened this weekend. Garrett and I will hop on and talk, and, and the commits that have dropped from that, and we'll go from there. Thanks, guys. Go Blue.